if I've got, I don't know, maybe five or 10 minutes and I want a quick release, you know the kind, I know the exact toy that'll do the trick. Or I know the exact friction and rhythm to deliver with my hands in order to do it too. But if I want to slow things way down for a totally different experience, when I'm not in a rush, when I can spend some true quality time with myself, there's some very specific accessories that I like to grab. Sometimes I blindfold myself or I dim the lights really low. Sometimes I use a feather up and down my arms while vibey music plays in the background. Sometimes I get as much of my body involved as I possibly can. I run my hands through my hair, down my face, and I let my fingers dance all over the surface of my skin. I put pressure on my inner thighs. I take my sweet time seducing myself before ever touching my genitals. And when I'm properly warmed up and efficiently lubed up, one of my favorite new bedroom accessories to reach for is the Oh My C from Ioba. I'm not sure what mechanism is in this thing, but the toy has a little nub that rotates at different speeds, so it mimics the sensation of being orally stimulated. It's nice, it's light, and it's quiet. Sometimes the sounds of my toys can actually take me out of my experience, so a softer, quieter toy is incredibly appreciated. I make sure to take deep breaths as I let the pleasure and sensation build, breathing it throughout my body, and when the time is just right, I pick up the speed of the rotation and I ride a full body wave of ecstasy. This is one of many acts of devotion I choose to regularly deliver to myself. And it's not about what my partner can or cannot give to me. It's about taking time to be with myself in my pleasure, doing anything and everything that feels good for me. If you're looking for a quiet, high-quality, beginner-friendly, super-cute vibe that doesn't actually vibe too hard, my personal recommendation is the Oh My See from Ioba. See the show notes for details and a discount. I'm Alexa, also known as That Sex Chick. And if you haven't guessed it by now, I love talking about sex. Not only talking about it, but I'm obsessed with helping you create an epic sex life while cultivating deeply fulfilling relationships. There's so much more to the conversation than just the act of sex itself, which is why I created this podcast. You can expect this show to be packed with resources, advice, experts, and everyday people talking about how they have created the best sex and love lives for them. If you are ready to take responsibility for your pleasure, then you are in the right place. Now, let's go talk sex, shall we? This is a Soulfire production. On today's show, we have Tristan Terramino. Tristan is an award-winning writer, sex educator, speaker, filmmaker, and host of the long-running podcast, Sex Out Loud. She is the author of eight books and the editor to 25 anthologies on sexuality and relationships. Today, we'll be diving deep into topics like anal pleasure and health, BDSM and kink, as well as non-traditional relationships. It is such a dynamic and impactful show. I recommend Tristan's books all the time. So it was an absolute honor. I felt like a little girl meeting a fan while I recorded this show. And we just had so much time connecting, jumping straight into zero to a hundred real quick type topics. You know, hi, welcome to the show. Here's how you have great anal sex. <laughs> so we just had a really great time jumping straight into the goods. And I hope that you all enjoy this really captivating, like I said, truly dynamic show with Tristan Terramino. Tristan, oh my goodness. So I really could sit here and talk to you about our dogs for an entire podcast episode, which to me and probably the vast majority of my listeners would also be able to get down with that conversation. Um, however, I reluctantly pressed pause on that so that I could hit record. That way we could talk about all of the other colorful things okay. that I am sure you have great stories for. Um, and I just have to say, I absolutely love the ultimate guide to kink. That is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite. So for those who are going to get to see the video recording of this, I'm holding this book up. I love it so much. I listened to it. Admittedly, the hardest part to get through was about fisting. 
That was just one where I was like, hmm, all right. Okay. I get it. And also, wow. And I've even seen it. So just the way that this was written, it is the most thorough book on kink that I've ever come across. And I absolutely love it. I even put it into my gift bags at one of my retreats. Um, I had half and half at my retreat, half got to go home with the ultimate guide to kink. And the other half went home with Barbara Corrales, urban Tantra. It just depended on where they were at in their journey, depending on which yes, one I gave yes. them. <laughs> I love that book. I recommend Barbara's book like yeah. once a day. Yeah, <laughs> right. It is so good. So anyway, I know that you are a wealth of knowledge. I know I mentioned this right before I hit record that Bryn, my EA, she is phenomenal. You're we putting together your show. And so what could we talk about? And she gave me the first draft of how the flow could be. And it was like, ask her about her journey and then go straight to anal. And I was like, well, you know, maybe I could put something in the in-between there, but you know what? Someone who is as dynamic and has so much information and such a wealth of knowledge, um, why not? <laughs> so let's go ahead. And if you would, wouldn't mind, let's get started with your journey of how all of this came to be. Yeah, all of this. Well, you might be surprised to know that I was supposed to go to law school and be a lawyer. <laughs> I don't know what that would look like if that were me today. But um, I was an undergrad. I went to Wesleyan University in Connecticut. And I, as I pursued my degree, which was in American studies, it was like right on the cusp of gay and lesbian studies, like beginning to emerge, right? So we didn't, we had like one gay and lesbian studies uh, class. And also, you know, in terms of like the, the, we, it was still called women's studies in women's studies, like just pursuing information and teaching on sexuality studies was also very new, but those were my interests. Absolutely. And so I got to kind of design my own concentration within American studies. And I was also a really big activist on campus. So although sex interested me and I love to write about it. Um, I was like, I'm going to law school and I'm going to be a lawyer for people who are being fucked by the system. Can I say fuck? Yes. Yes. Okay, great. Please. Um, and so I had great grades. I was Phi Beta Kappa. I had Sterling recommendations and I had average LSAT scores. And the spring of my senior year, I got rejected from all the schools that I applied to like 12 schools. And I went to my advisor who had advised my undergraduate thesis. And I was like crying in her office because I'm a really big planner. And so I, I was like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? The plan, the plan is ruined. Um, and she said, you know, Tristan, I don't think you want to go to law school or be a lawyer. I think you want to write about sex. I think you're really good at it because I'd written a lot of it, a lot about it, sexuality and identity in my senior thesis. So she encouraged me to just take a year off and like see what happens. And so I started to write. Um, still, there was not a lot of like venues to read your stuff or or magazines to publish stuff that that was about sex. And so I started out writing erotica, which was is fiction, supposed to be fiction. Basically, if you read my erotica from back in the day, it's all true. I've just changed like some characteristics and names and situations, but it's true. Um, and I pitched a book to Cleus Press called Best Lesbian Erotica, which was going to be an annual series, which still continues to this day. And after that, they sent out a call to all the writers that they'd worked with and said, we're looking for proposals for books about sex. We don't want a big like encyclopedia of all things sex. We want you to focus on one single topic. So I thought, you know what? There have been a lot of sex books written. I've read them all, but there's one that hasn't been. And there's one that I want on my bookshelf. And so I proposed The Ultimate Guide to Anal Sex for Women. And bless their feminist queer hearts. They were like, Okay, let's do it. It's 1997, people. Like, <laughs> anal sex is not like a casual reference in Cosmo. Okay, I just want to say that. Like, people were freaked out. But at that point, there was only one book, Anal Pleasure and Health from Jack Morin, which is an incredible book still today. 
Um, but it was written from a man's point of view. And I felt like I'm having anal sex. I love it. There have to be other women. Um, I want to write this from a woman's point of view. So I wrote the book and then there was a challenge of how to promote it because Barnes and Noble was not like blowing up the cover and putting it in the window and being like, please welcome Tristan Taramino for an evening about anal sex. No. <laughs> so I decided, I decided I would start teaching a workshop at sex shops, at conferences, wherever they would have me about anal sex. And hopefully some of the people who came to the workshop would be interested in my book. And it was one of those situations where when I gave my very first workshop, it was at Babeland on the Lower East Side. I worked there at the time. And I got up in front of a room full of mostly strangers. I talked about this really taboo topic. I shared with them what I know, what I'd researched. I answered their questions. And it was just like, oh, this is what I'm meant to do with my life. I, I'm meant to teach and write about sex. Like, yeah, this is this this is all grooving. I'm in the zone here. Um, my inner voice is like, ding, ding, ding. Um, so I went on to write a column in the Village Voice for almost 10 years, a sex column. And I've written more books. I have a podcast, which is called Sex Out Loud. Um, I teach workshops all over the world. And my whole world is basically sex and relationships. And thank the universe for that. <laughs> you, as you were saying that, that, that moment of, and I think this is what I'm supposed to do or that all the things clicked. Yeah. Could you have ever in a million years thought before that, that that would be where your path led you to, or did you kind of have an idea? No, because at that point, the only person publicly talking about sex and writing about it besides like people on the margins. And there was like definitely mm -hmm. a lesbian feminist kink writing scene, but it was very small um, and very much on the margins. The only person in mainstream society was Dr. Ruth Westheimer. That's what and I thought you were going to say. <laughs> she was a doctor and she was an old, really unassuming, um, non-threatening grandma. And I was just like, yeah, I'm not that. So I don't even know, this isn't even a job. I mean, I kind of created my job as I went along. And now there are so many paths to becoming a sex educator in so many different ways. But back then it was like, you can figure this out, Tristan, said the universe. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I resonate with that a lot. I always thought that I was going to go into something medically oriented. And I, I left school and... I graduated from University of Southern Mississippi with a degree in biology and a concentration in forensics. And the forensics was supposed to be the thing that I was going to do. And then it fizzled out by the end. Um, and then I was like, okay, well, I think I'm going to go medical with this. And then left life instead of applying to grad school, went on to cruise ships and sold art for almost six years and traveled the world. And then it was through that journey that like all the pieces of the puzzle came together. And then it was at some events. It was actually some, at some kind of personal development type conferences, the positioning that I found myself in talking about sex and communicating on it, that really was the lead domino. And then to see where I am now, I'm like, holy shit. You know, my like deeply Southern, uh, I was mother. gonna say Mississippi. Uh, yeah. that could be a whole podcast we could talk about. Oh yeah, I'm from Louisiana and okay. very Catholic upbringing. So, um, I think my mom was basically like, "Could you do anything else? Anything?" You know, I mean, at first. Now she's she's such a cheerleader. So I, you know, I'm I'm very impressed. And my younger niece, that's you know, I I like to think that I paved the way is obsessed with drag queens. Oh, lovely. Obsessed. She's at uh, Rutgers in New Jersey for stage management. And that's like, all she wants to do is be affiliated with some Broadway type things and then produce drag shows. I'm like, wow, if I wouldn't have gone first, this could look very different for you. Yeah. Very different. <laughs> very I mean, different. Very different. So anyway, I'm ready to jump right on into it. You mentioned that the first thing that you wrote was about anal, which makes sense as to why Bryn put that first you know, just skip right on into it. Right. Right. So I get those questions a lot. And, um, especially, you know, 
I've been in this space for a little over four years, which is like a tiny drop in the bucket for someone like you and some of the people that I really admire. And even just in the last four or so years, I have had more and more, I've seen more and more questions and more and more people becoming, you know, coming up and out. And I think that that's because of culture scape and everything shifting. Um, it's being talked about. We've got like teen, what is it? Teen, teen something Vogue. Around, teen Vogue. Yes. <laughs> right. Even just mentioning it wild. So things are shifting, times are changing. And so I'm seeing these questions come up more and more things like I'm interested in trying it out or, or one of my favorites is I tried it before and it was terrible, but I'm curious about doing it again because it, there must be some kind of messaging that's hitting them that's showing them that it's really great. So what are your tips or insights when it comes to anal sex for those that are maybe curious about it, wanting to do it in the not too distant future, or maybe want to re-engage with it? Yeah. Well, I just want to acknowledge people who are still curious about it, who've had a bad experience. Obviously, over the years, I've heard about tons of bad experiences. And so I want to applaud people if they say, let me give it another try, because that's hard, especially if, you know, especially if that experience was traumatic in any way uh, or painful. It's hard to then go back and say, oh, hey, I want to try this thing that I hated and see if it can be better. Um, That was me in threesomes. Yeah. So, I mean, most people make some basic mistake and that's why the first time or any time is bad. Um, you know, there needs to be a lot of warm up before anal sex. Anal sex is not like, let's have a quickie. It'll be anal. Um, or like we only have 10 minutes until my roommate comes home. Let's do anal. It's just, that's not it. You really need a lot of warm up, And I encourage people to do whatever kind of gets their juices flowing and whatever turns them on before even acknowledging the butt, right? And then you need to use lube. There's people out there still not using lube. In this case, spit is not a lubricant. We've used it before, perhaps for the other hole, but not gonna work on the ass. It's not self-lubricating. So you absolutely need lube to make it comfortable, to make it, uh, possible to make it pleasurable, right? Lots of good communication back and forth between people. This is something new that you're trying. And if you're feeling fear or anxiety beforehand, I encourage people to try some anal play on their own before they introduce it to partner sex. Because once we are in the room with another person, um, there are expectations, there can be pressure, we want it to go well. Um, we feel especially vulnerable. And so why not try it out on your own while you're masturbating? And then you can kind of maybe work through some of the beginner kinks. Um, I also, you know, have to stress that even the most experienced anal people don't just shove a dick or a dildo or a toy in someone's ass, right? You always have to start with that one finger. The one finger is always the beginning. Now, As you get used to it, as you get more experience, the time it takes to warm up your ass could decrease. But you're always starting with the one finger. For me, it's always starting with the one finger in terms of anal penetration. Also, analingus is really great. You know, one introduction for people could be just oral stimulation, which is external, nothing's going inside. um, And it can be a way for you to kind of tap into what a great erogenous zone the ass is because the ass is full of nerve endings and it feels really good. And rimming may be like the be all and end all for you. I don't want to just consider rimming like a stepping stone or a gateway to other kinds of anal play. That could be your anal play and that could be super pleasurable. So warming up, starting with a finger, using toys, just gradually building up. Um, the thing at the beginning, if you're on the receiving end, is that it's going to feel strange. It might feel uncomfortable. Um, Your ass is not used to this. Your ass is not used to anal penetration. So I like to think of your ass as being disoriented. (laughs) It just needs like a minute to be like, I got to get my bearings here. (laughs) Um, And I, but I want to contrast that with pain. 
anal sex should not hurt, not even a little. If it hurts, something's wrong. Uh, if it hurts, you're too stressed out or tense. If it hurts, your butt's not in the mood. If it hurts, you're not using lube or not using enough lube. You haven't warmed up enough. Um, maybe you're not having other kinds of genital stimulation, which can often help um, open you up and relax you to anal play. So no pain. This is a no pain situation. And I need people to know that, that they have to listen to their bodies. When our bodies um, are in pain, we, we can't ignore that. Right. Right. And if you're experiencing pain, that could, it's, it's a, an alarm going off. Exactly. Like you might be doing some kind of damage. Yeah. Like and the ass is very sensitive. Um, right. The tissue of the anal canal, which is the first like an inch and a half. And then beyond that is the rectum. Um, it's super sensitive. Uh, but that tissue is also much more delicate than say the tissue that lines the vagina. Mm -hmm. And so that's important for people to know because you can hurt someone. Um, if you just jam things in there. Right. Speaking of just jamming things in there, uh, don't jam just anything. No, uh, that's a great point. Um, so fingers are good dildos, penises, and there are lots of toys that are made just for your butt, like butt plugs and anal beads, but whatever toy you choose, it's got to have a flared face. Now that we're doing video, I should like have all these props, but I don't. Well, but, um, <laughs> well I have this, this has some dog hair on it, but look, uh, here's, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, here is a butt plug and you see, this is the bait. Mm -hmm. So if it's a dildo or anything, it's got to have a base. Cause basically this goes in your ass, your ass, mm -hmm. your sphincter muscles close around the smallest part and it can't go any further. If you're trying to use like a bullet vibe or one of those lipstick shaped vibrators and it doesn't have a base, it can get lost in your ass. That's right. not, that's not a myth. That's actually true. So everything has to have a base. Right. And a bunch of ER doctors will confirm this. Oh my God. And then, you know, you can, you can look up the x-rays, you know, those x-rays on the internet of like actual objects found in rectums. That's not a joke. And that is not Photoshop. Those are real. Anyone right. you talk to who works in emergency medicine will tell you it happens all the time. Yeah, absolutely. I find it really interesting. Um, you know, we have these conversations and we're normalizing something that is very normal. People like to put stuff up their butt. But. It's not going to change. It's been, it's been happening for a really long time before we were ever talking about it. And so normalizing and having more conversations is hopefully going to get a lot less people in the ER because right. something mean, has passed a certain just, point. Part, part of it is just knowing how everything works. Right. Um, you know, I, there's so much shame associated with sexuality. So I often feel like people are sort of in secret by themselves and, you know, they don't want to go to a, a, a store and get a butt plug. They don't, or even online. And so they're doing dangerous things based on sort of shame and stigma and not being able to talk about it, not being able to ask someone whether that's a friend or whether that's like a clerk at a store, hey, what can I put in my butt? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I think the internet, uh, I have experienced some really gross stuff on the internet, but I've also experienced a lot of really amazing community-oriented um, options online. And I'll just throw out my community online too, is like, you can go there and I am moderating. So right. I am making sure that the conversations flow, that the conversations are very empathetic and compassionate and that all levels can show up and, and their concerns or their questions are valid. You know, there's not people who are way far along on their journey, essentially shaming the ones that are just getting started for not knowing this, mm -hmm. you know, there's mm -hmm. always, I think in this, uh, in this space for sure, old dogs, new tricks. <laughs> like there's always something new. Yes, yes. <laughs> I feel like there's always something new. So another question I, so I run group programs all throughout the year and something that I have specifically noticed very recently that's come up is a lot more men curious about prostate massaging. Yeah. Yeah. This is a revolution as far as I'm concerned. Um, for men to think about anal pleasure there are lots of barriers to that. 
uh, masculinity, not toxic masculinity, just masculinity and what is expected of men, how they're supposed to behave sexually, what they're supposed to desire. You got to work through that. You've got to work through shame and stigma and really have a sense of yourself that um, that's pretty strong, right? So I, I, I love men who are very open about loving anal pleasure. I, I just, I think more men should try it. Uh, again, they can try it by themselves first. So, um, you know, we've got very similar anatomy. Uh, people born female and people born male have, have these great sensitive butts. Um, but men in particular have a prostate gland. And you can stimulate that prostate gland through the anal canal. It's about an inch and a half to two inches inside. And you sort of aim toward the front of the body. And so all kinds of prostate stimulation, whether it's prostate massage, a vibrating toy against the prostate, pressure, um, being fucked with a dildo or a dick, all of these things can bring you great, great pleasure. And men, there are men who say, I've got this orgasm and then I've got this anal orgasm, which is like way up here. You know, it can really intensify men's orgasm. It can help people with who are having erection problems, get help get and keep an erection. Um, it's also good for you to massage your prostate uh, for later on health reasons down the road, um, becoming in touch with your prostate not ignoring it until something's wrong, um, it, you know, has its benefits. And I think that the, the biggest hurdle for men is getting to a place where they can accept this is an erogenous zone. It carries all this cultural baggage, but I don't need to subscribe to that. I don't need to like go down that road. This feels good. And so I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. And same with partners of men. If partners or men are like, oh my God, does that make you gay? What does that say about me? What do you want me to do to you? Um, everyone needs to like take a breath and say, this is sex. We want to be adventurous. We want to be curious. Um, we want to try new things. Yeah, absolutely. And whatever comes up for you is for you to deal with. Correct. Right. So if you're like, what does this mean? And about me and, you know, like, let's, use an example, heteronormative kind of relationship. Mm -hmm. And she goes, Oh, you want something in your butt? Am I not good enough? Are you gay? Are you this? Are you that? Okay. That's your shit, not his shit. Right. To move through right. what comes up for you. What is it tied to? Is it your truth? Would you like to change it? Would you like to experience uninhibited sexual pleasure? And sometimes I get people who will say, um, prostate massage, they'll like kind of scoff and laugh it off and be like, my orgasms, they're already explosive. Like, right, like right. they're saying this, like I couldn't handle it if it was any more, or I'm already as far as I can go. No one's already as far as they can go. Right. There are always new frontiers. <laughs> this is already easily one of my favorite conversations. I, I love talking about butt stuff and I love talking about, you know, bodies and the normal things that they do. Mm -hmm. And also dogs and the very strange things that they do. Um, well, so as I'm, you know, I'm looking at little and also big through the window here in my office and who knows what they are doing. I see <laughs> them chomping on things. Usually it sticks. <laughs> so I'm just like, okay, you're my dog and yeah. I love you. Okay. So, um, like I mentioned this or at the beginning of our conversation, one of my favorite books to recommend to my people is the ultimate guide to kink. And it is all the things. Is a big fat book of all the things. And so I would love to spend a little time. And I love like what I would say people oftentimes find their way to me for is I love catching people towards the beginning of their journey. And mm -hmm. I also have people all over the map that find their way to me, but I really love helping people cross that threshold of like, there must be more to the sex and identity and love thing. And I just, I'm ready for it. I just don't know what the more is. And so it's like, okay, well, here is Pandora's box <laughs> or here are all of the options. And you just tell me what like excites you. And then we can go deeper into one of those areas. And, and in this conversation, it's kind of like smorgasbord, right? We got anal and there's some amazing takeaways in that. And now BDSM and, and kink. Now I've done a solo show where I spoke about my journey into even figuring out what that was, which was very personal. And I had no idea until I was inside of it. And then I was like, oh, 
I got to Google this shit. And then, then I realized, Oh, this is like a thing. And there's a bunch of people that really a lot of people. So for those who are, let's say cater to all over the map, but especially those who are just getting their, their journey started BDSM kink. What's the deal? So first of all, I, I love that you deal with people who at the beginning for two reasons. One is that God, we all need someone who is non-judgmental to hold our hands through this stuff. I think people get interested in things and then they first voice it to someone and that person shames them or judges Mm -hmm. them. Like we all need that person who's going to be like, oh, you're interested in that? Come along. Right. So I, I love that. And also finding out these new parts of your sexuality can be transformative for people. It, it, re- it this can be life changing. So you're also at a point in their lives where a major shift can happen, which is a really exciting thing. Yeah, agreed. So the first thing I want to say about BDSM and kink, BDSM is an umbrella term. It encompasses the words bondage, discipline, dominance, submission, ma- sadism, and masochism. Right. But I like to think of it as even broader than that. And that's why often I use the word kink because uh, it also feels a little less intimidating. Mm-hmm. And I, I want people to know that kink is whatever you want it to be. They, there are some ideas out there. There are some practitioners out there. There are some books out there. There are videos out there. But the thing is, what is kinky to you and what is kinky to me is different. And that's okay right? So tying your lover up with silky scarves may be kinky for you. And so that counts. I don't want people to feel like, oh, if I'm not in the dungeon being whipped or flogged, and I'm not tied to some, you know, predicament bondage, like <laughs> St. Andrew's cross, cross, I'm not like really kinky. So we, we need to scrap that and say, this is a design your own adventure situation. And you get to basically look at the menu, which is vast, and say, and pick and choose. For example, for some people, kink doesn't involve like sensations or pain at all. It's right. mental. Right. It's about power dynamics. It's about dominance and submission, who's in charge, who's sort of like yielding to the person in charge. Um, it's all psychological. And it is hot, hot, hot. And that could be your kink. Obviously, that's one of my kinks. So, you know. Yeah, well, I'm sitting here. Um, I'm like, God, this sweater is very thick. (laughs) (laughs) And then, you know, you can go into a variety of sensation play. Mm -hmm. um, Things like hot wax, uh, tickling someone, rubbing, you know, scrapping your nails on someone's back. Anything that creates a sensation. Um, then there's things like bondage and there's all kinds of bondage and people love to be tied up and other people love to tie them up. And also if you can't tie a knot like me, uh, you just get cuffs and they Velcro right. or they pin together. It's fine. Right. Um, there are things like impact play, spanking, flogging, um, being paddled. There are role playing situations, right? Where people may role play, uh, you know, all sorts of things, cheerleader and quarterback, doctor, nurse, dominatrix and client, uh, you know, master and, and girl, like, you know, all, all these kind of um, yeah. creative things. And also people sometimes play as animals. Mm-hmm. Um, they sometimes play as aliens. I mean, you, that the sky's the limit on fantasy role play, right? Um, oh my gosh, and, and, and then just... you can also weave these things together, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can be a puppy human puppy who likes to be tied up and then also spanked, right? So you, you, it's like, just choose the little pieces and put right. them together as they work for you. And you can be a puppy that likes to be tied and spanked by an alien. Yeah, exactly. If you want to, but exactly. as you describe all of this, I'm like, it's imagination. It is in a, in a sense, I, I describe it oftentimes as um, it has an innocence to it it feels almost childlike because it is play because it is imagination. And for me, so much of my life is predetermined. 
planned out. I love a plan. Also, I have no less than four calendars within arm's reach that have different things outlined on them. And if I turned my camera a little bit, you could see all kinds of charts and post-it notes and all the things. So when is it an opportunity? to do list. Exactly. So when do I have, when do I take responsibility and create that mental and imaginative freedom? And it just so happens that a lot of times when that's really truly available is in sex and expression. Well, I I think there's, unfortunately, there's this idea that once you get to a certain age, you're a grown-up. Right. And grown-ups have responsibilities and grown-ups um, have to work and support themselves, but also grownups are not supposed to be silly or play or do something just for the fun of it. Right. Um, I think there's this really intense mentality of like, you've got to work, you've got to exercise, you've got to find your hobbies, but don't make your hobbies too frivolous. Um, you know, it should be bird watching, whatever. And <laughs> you're, you're like hundred percent, right? Like we just don't have these places to be playful, to let down our guard. And we had them as children. They were encouraged. It was encouraged for us to use our imagination and to play with, you know, like I could create a whole play scenario. I used to do this one with my cousin where we were, um, we were lady detectives who were also roller skaters. <laughs> Great. So a pet and an alien. I, uh, um, right. Detectives and, and, and roller and we skaters. Did this, we did this with no props, no costumes, no skates. Um, you know what I mean? Like we just imagined these scenarios and it was all just made up between us. And so, yeah, it's a space to play. It can also be a space to work out feelings. It can be a space to experience new sensations. It can be a space to get grounded in your body. It could be a space to make connection in a different way with other people. Um, it has so many possibilities. Yes. And for some people, it doesn't even involve any kind of penetration. No, exactly. For some people, it doesn't involve genital sex at all. Mm -hmm. You know, I have seen people who have nipple clamps on, which are pressing against their nipples and this really intense sensation and can come from that. Absolutely. My goodness, nipple clamps. It's a, you know, for those of you who've never put those on, uh, here's how this goes. (laughs) You You take your nipple and you put the clamp on, you go, it's not so bad. And you put the other one on and you go, I got this. I got this. And let's say five minutes goes by and you go, all right, I'm good. I'm ready to take them off. It's right then that you realize just how powerful nipple clamps are. It's when they come off. So, and I really recommend for beginners, what's called tweezer style nipple mm-hmm. clamps, where you can actually adjust the tightness. Yes. If you start with ones that aren't adjustable, they can be way too much at the beginning. So they've got to be adjustable. Also, I just saw a pair of nipple clamps uh, on the website of a store I love in New Orleans. Oh, Um, where? Oh, it's called Dynamo. Dynamo. I knew you were going to say Dynamo. So I'm from New Orleans and I have brought my retreat attendees to Dynamo. Dynamo is an amazing, you know, queer and woman. Yes. Yes. I and love Dynamo. They have a lot of great toys and tools. I was on their website the other day looking for something and I stumbled on nipple clamps with bells on them. <laughs> okay. And if you celebrate Christmas, like this felt like a very Christmassy present, uh-huh. you know, to sort of like put them on yourself or, or make, make your partner with consent, right. put them on and then like go about their business in the house. And then you always know whenever their boobs move. <laughs> Or whenever their chest moves, you're going to hear a little ring. I love, I mean, I came up with the whole scenario. I just literally just saw these and I was like, bells on nipple clown. Yes. Genius. <laughs> I love it so much. Wow. Ugh. And just thinking back on when you were talking about all these different scenarios and the imagination, all of that, um, I couldn't help but think of, which I know he's been on your show before, Justin LaMiller. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I just go just back on my show. Like, was he? Yeah. Oh, okay. So he, I, I can't remember where I heard this first or maybe it was in the book, but it was something to the effect of, you know, the imagination. And you said all these different things. And I was like, but where's the pirate and the billionaire? <laughs> right. Where's the board so. housewife and the pool boy? Yeah. And the pool right. boy. 
But anyway, okay. So I'm curious a little bit more on, on a personal note, granted you talking about how you basically lit up like a Christmas tree, seeing bells on nipple clamps. Um, how has kink impacted your life? And I would say, and you know, how, like for me, I got introduced to it. And before I knew what it was, I was already in a space of how did I not know this about myself and holy fucking shit. There is no turning back. What do I do now? Life is different moving forward. Right. And everybody lied to me. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. Let's not, let's not put too dark a spin on it. Um, well, you know, it was all over the map <laughs> and it, and it got way lighter and way more colorful okay, the, the darker it got. So anyway, how was it for you? I mean, I was introduced to kink at a kind of pivotal time. Um, I was 19, 19 or 20. I had my very first girlfriend the first time that I um, was dating women. She was like my first serious girlfriend. I'd hooked up with and had sex with women, but she was my serious girlfriend. Right. And she was one of these people, like you said uh, before, to hold my hand. Like she was one of the people who owned the menu right? Mm -hmm. She just pulled the menu out of the closet. And she was like, look at all these things. And I was like, holy fuck. And she was non-judgmental. She was super sex positive. She was very like adventurous. And she was like, you know, what should we try on the menu? And so I got to try out all these things for the first time with her. And again, I want to say having a lover who is open and is welcoming and is like ready for for an adventure, for you to do this thing together, explore this thing together. It's like invaluable, right? Because I feel like I, I tell her this all the time. I'm still in touch with her 25, 30 years later. I'm very, I'm much older than you are. And she lives in LA. And so I, I've seen her and I sometimes like chat with her. And I said, you know, you, you created the mold, right? Mm -hmm. You like there are people who have influenced my life and writers who have influenced my life and all that stuff. But having this person during my sexual beginning, he's so non-judgmental and so ready and up for anything. It set a tone for my life, right? It set the tone. Mm -hmm. And then I would go on to have these amazing adventures. Some, you know, sort of beyond your wildest dreams when you're 19. Um, and it really, it kind of, it made me who I am, right? It made me who I am. And that's because of the, of the permission and the space she gave me to try all these things. Mm -hmm. And for me, kink is, you know, it's like a, it's like a crucible. It's a space where you can really explore, you can explore power dynamics. You can explore different sides of yourself. I consider myself a switch. A switch is someone who is, um, is a top or a bottom, or sometimes you can be a top and a bottom in the same scene. So um, I get to explore the sort of more dominant side of myself, the more submissive side of myself. And that's really rewarding. Um, for sure, I'm like a badass bitch um, during the day most of the time. So giving up control for me mm -hmm. is really cathartic. Um, and it's really refreshing that I don't have to like plan or tell anyone what to do because I spend most of my life telling people what to do. And I love that. And I also love it during sex, but sometimes I want to experience like the other side of it. Yeah. So it's a cathartic space. Um, and it's a space of also, like you said, imagination, right? Um, I've always been a creative person and I generally like variety. And, and that could be variety with the same person, right? But if you, if you do certain right. role plays, like you don't have to bring anyone else into it. Right. <laughs> Cause you're all of a sudden occupying these different roles. So, um, it's funny because I got, I got this box from an advertiser, uh, for my podcast and they're, and they're very big on like, try this out before you decide to, to do it. And then we want to hear your personal experience. And it was very, um, beginner friendly right? Mm -hmm. It was like, there's a hot wax candle that turns into massage oil. There are these silky ties. There are games to play. Um, there's some sex toys in there. And at first it's like, okay, how do I approach this? Um, I am not a beginner. <laughs> I've been doing this for 20 plus years. Um, and so I've done all these things before, right? W what do I do? And so 
I, I went to my lover and I said, we've got to try out this box of stuff. Um, doesn't it suck to be my lover? Uh, and <laughs> let's just, let's begin with like, with beginner eyes. Let, let's actually explore things that we've done a bunch of times, maybe haven't done in a while. Um, let's pretend it's like the first time, which also is really hot, a hot fantasy for me. Yes. Same. And we really enjoyed it. It like, I really genuinely enjoyed myself and, um, it wasn't these elaborate scenarios or these beautifully made, very complicated toys or devices. It was like back to the basics and it still was lovely. Mm, I love that so much. And that also spotlights just how different sex can look each time that you engage with it and, and yes. go into it. And sometimes it looks like a quickie and sometimes it looks like this elaborate multi-day right. mental fuckery. <laughs> where I like laid out all the toys yeah. and I got the lube and it was like the dogs are locked out of the bedroom. And yeah, mm-hmm. it was like, we had an afternoon, a few hours to explore. It was really yeah. Nice. yeah, absolutely. And it, and it can always, every time for those of you who are listening, if your view of your sexuality or your sexual expression or the sex, just straight up the sex that you are used to having has one lens, it looks one way. That's great if you are happy with it. And Mm -hmm. also if you look at it and you're kind of like, oh, you know, I'm either here nor there. And you would like for it to be much more than that. There's so much available and playing in the realms of kink and, and that leads me to my like last question under this subject matter, inside this subject matter, um, which is tools and ways that some people can get started. Um, you know, maybe it's not gonna go, you listen to this podcast and then you go on to wherever online and purchase a bunch of toys and then they show up and all of a sudden you know what to do with them. You know, because sometimes <laughs> right. they show up and you're like, well, that's intimidating and I gotta put right. it where and am I sure? Maybe I'm second guessing myself. I'm gonna put it in the box or my closet. It's gonna collect dust. Um, maybe what is the next logical step for you that pushes an edge that you are in in control of that is exciting and playful and you can feel your imagination coming alive whenever you see it or you consider it. So maybe it's not going to go straight to getting a product. Maybe it's going to go to listening to some of Tristan's episodes on her podcast, which I know that for you, some of your episodes go way beyond beginner. And so... Maybe that's going to be the next step, or maybe it's reading your book. Maybe it's reading Ultimate Guide to Kink. Maybe or, it's or actually, I would say reading. I have like a prequel to Ultimate Guide right. to Kink, which is called Fifty Shades of Kink. You know, this mm. is cashing on on the Fifty Shades thing. Yes. I'm a shameless uh, capitalist, um, but that's <laughs> like a beginning. That's a super beginner guide. Great. And so I would say people start with that. It's little. It's easy to read. Um, and I would say start with that before you go to ultimate guide to kink, which I think of as a little bit more rigorous and advanced. I don't know why I did that. Um, Because this is the, this is the fist. I told you that that was (laughs) the part. Because you mentioned fisting. Exactly. (laughs) Um, So, and I, I recommend, so there's a lot of great books out there on the subject. I recommend people kind of pick one thing first, right? I think sometimes when we get like super jazzed about something new, it's like, we want all the things right? We're a kid in a candy store and we're like, let's do this and let's do this and we'll, we'll dress up and then we'll have this dynamic and this will be the role play and this will be the... I say like, pick one thing that, that, that you know, makes you tingle. Uh, is it bondage? Is it role play? Is it this hot wax candles they have which turn into massage oil and they're not messy and you don't have to clean up hot wax? Um, is it nipple clamp, right? So pick one thing. And like you said, you don't need to go to the store right away. So if you want to be tied up or tie up your lover, you can use ties, you can use pantyhose, you can use the belt from um, a robe, right? You, you can make do with stuff around the house. Um, similarly, if you're into nipple clamps, uh, I wouldn't recommend like a paper clip, like from the, um, you know, like, like here's a paper clip, I'm in my office right? Like, Oh, a binder clip. A binder clip. Yeah. No, no, we're not going to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, I would recommend something much more simple, which is have your partner or, or do it yourself, pinch your nipples and like count to a certain time. 
and then let go. You're going to achieve the same effect, right? right? And that's when you can say, oh, I thought I'd like that. I didn't. Mm-hmm. Or I thought I'd like that. And now we really have to get the double click. Right. <laughs> right? Absolutely. So, um, so I think there's ways to explore these things without even buying anything. And then right. when you're like, oh, this is my jam, then you can think about going online or going to a store and saying, hey, we're ready to invest in some bondage cups. We're ready to invest in nipple clamps. We're ready to invest in a paddle, whatever it is. Right. And that's where the big book of sex toys comes in. Oh yeah. Yeah. So like, yeah, I'm thinking I might want some gear or I might want some toys. And then, but it's like, whoa, whoa, sex tech is booming. There's so many options. So, you know, there's just lots of options in general. It can be. And your big book of sex toys will outline all the different things. And I usually respond to people when, because I get a very blanket generic, and I'm sure you've gotten this question too, where it's like, I'm a first timer with toys. Where should I start? I'm like, what, what kind of experience do you want to have? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that is a really weighty, broad It's like when question. someone says, I want my first vibrator. It's like, yeah. that question is no longer answered by a handful of products. Oh my God. Now there is, there are vibrators which create this sort of air pressure. It feels mm-hmm. like oral sex. There's vibrators that vibrate with different modes. There are quiet vibrators. There are loud vibrators. There are plug-in vibrators. There are rechargeable vibrators. Vibrators you can insert. Vibrators that are just, you know, for clitoral stimulation. Vibrators that do both at the same time, right? So even just saying, hey, I want a vibrator. You know, when I worked at a sex shop, um, you know, the Hitachi Magic Wand has like a super big reputation for being like the Cadillac. Right. Uh, or maybe it's the Tesla now. Uh, <laughs> although I think the Tesla is some of these more like smart, really high tech things. Right. Um, and so it's like someone would come to the store and be like, I've never used a vibrator before, but my friend says I should get the magic wand. And I'm like, hold the phone. Okay. Because the magic wand is super powerful. Right. Even on the lowest setting, it can be too much for people. Mm-hmm. I am not a magic wand person. Mm-hmm. I I like, there's another wand style that I like by Luand. But for me, the Hitachi magic wand is too powerful. It's mm-hmm. too much sensation. It will not give me an orgasm. So you got to start somewhere. It kind of makes me itchy. It's starting at that end of it is not the place to start. Like it's like, get yourself a little bullet vibe and then we'll see. Right. Absolutely. <sighs> There's so much. It's an uh, it's an Im- impossible to tap well of experience and knowledge and enthusiasm for it. Like that feels really good for someone who is where I am on my journey as someone in the sex space who speaks about it and talks about it and writes about it and workshops with it and retreats on it and all of that. Um, it it's really awesome to see someone who is this enthusiastic still this many years after yes, starting. So many years. So I'm gonna. Okay, so if I was 19, um, I'm 49. So it's 30 years. Uh, yeah. It's like when people say to me, oh, are you bored of talking about anal sex because you've been doing it for so long? The first edition of the book came out in like 1998. And I'm like, no, I will talk about anal sex any day of the week. I love talking to beginners. There's always someone who needs this information. The day I am bored of anal sex is the day I stop talking about it. But it hasn't come yet. Right. Uh, hasn't come yet. It's just this, this really long, prolonged edging process. <laughs> and it will come. Um, maybe, come. Maybe, maybe, maybe it maybe, won't. Maybe, maybe it won't. And There's no expectation. So, yeah. <laughs> no pressure. Yeah, no pressure. <laughs> so Tristan, I have loved this conversation. I knew that I would. I actually had a third topic to go into, which we might have to save for another day because I think this is, another episode, but yeah. I, that'd be great. If we talked about open relationships on another if episode, you are happy to come back on. I would be so thrilled to have a, another start and end to a conversation that has all to do with open relationships. People who are curious about the word polyamory, because I know for some, they read that they immediately think polygamy and think that they're joining a cult and there's all these women and blah, blah, blah. So there's a lot still to do, a lot of work still to do with education there. Um, I get some very weird messages every now and then because I educate on it that I mustn't be 
I mustn't actually like my partner as much as I do. And I, Intimacy you know, issues, how, all these yeah, I'm like, how I'm like, I am in a mostly monogamous relationship to someone I'm engaged to. I'm like, I'm educating. This is not the only way to do it. So it's a topic that I get really excited about as well. Um, especially from the perspective of, I decided I read sex at dawn and then I read the ethical slut. And then I was like, monogamy is terrible. And then I went through that whole process. I went through that whole process. I hope you read my book on the subject. So I have read, mm, I've read blogs, but I haven't read the full book. So I've read blogs where there's like references and excerpts and things like that, but I still recommend it because I have read other books of yours. I still recommend it just as much as the other ones. And it gets recommended inside of my Facebook group a lot as well. So I like- is my, is my book on yes. non-monogamy. So how about this? I will listen in full to opening up before we talk again. Okay. So there's my commitment there. So I want to warn you that I didn't narrate the book. The publisher okay. picked someone and their voice is fine. But when they say polyamory, it's almost like a question. <laughs> it's just someone who doesn't know any of the things. So they're just like reading the book. So really? Just do, I, I think maybe they said they're going to redo it. That's what I heard. Um, you know, sometimes you're not in the loop. Publishers just do shit and they announce, and then they tell you and you're like, oh, you know, I have a radio show and I could have done that myself. Right. Letting it go. Letting it go. Okay. Well, amazing. So I will take that note while I listen. Um, and I'm, yeah, I could always, the, the, the list of books in the queue, never ending. So I'll just take that one and right at the top. Uh, but yeah, there was a moment where I was like, I'm going to denounce all the things that I know about relationships. I'm going to do it all differently. I'm going to fuck this up <laughs> and um, decided very definitively, I am going to let go of monogamy. And the phrase came to mind, I am polyamorous, which then infused into my identity. And then when I wound up seeking a monogamous relationship, I had to go through a whole like internal crisis about it about choosing this next relationship and it being different to this thing that I like denounced and then decided was my, a part of my new identity. And so it's a whole other journey. And I'm so thankful that you've suggested another episode because I was like, I can't even get into all of that, (laughs) you know, and this little bit of time. And I also think that the conversation that we had was very full so I'm sure that so many people (laughs) are like taking notes and looking up things and all of that. And so Yes. Thank you for that. I want to let it sit and simmer and percolate for everybody on its own. And then we will bring back Tristan to have a conversation about opening up because I, so my show, the largest population in the States that listens so far, which I'm at the point of this recording about the show has been launched for a month and it's doing really well. And that's really exciting. And my top listeners are in Salt Lake City. And I have a lot of clients that I have worked with that are people who have left the Mormon church. And so, um, a number of them are in the lifestyle. It's as if they took the pendulum and swung it the other way. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. So I am in this a lot. And so would love to have more of those conversations, even though I can like feel it inside myself. I want to do it right now, but I'm going to (laughs) stop. Okay. 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 (laughs) All right. So on back on the note of all the things that we covered throughout today's episode, what would you say is something that the the last thing that you would like to leave our listeners with? I guess I want people to be open to new things. I think I love the word open. And um, I think approaching this stuff with an open mind and an open heart is, is just as valuable as whatever you do, whatever you end up doing, coming to it, feeling open and ready to experience it and be in your body and figure out what it all is, is really important. Mm, so good. So where else, where would you like people to find you on the interweb? Yes. Um, so if you are interested in like my workshops and all that stuff, you can go to tristanterramino.com. I am on all social media platforms, just at Tristan Terramino. I have been uh, divesting from Facebook for my mental health. Um, so I am much more on Twitter and Instagram, just so people know. 
And then my podcast, which you can find on all sorts of podcast platforms is Sex Out Loud. So sexoutloudradio.com. It began as a radio show because I'm old. (laughs) (laughs) And now look at how things have unfolded. (laughs) Goodness gracious. Thank you again so much. This was a delicious and dynamic conversation. You are a delicious and dynamic woman. I am so grateful to be connected with you and to be able to share your magic with the listeners of That Sex Chick, the podcast. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week.